Hi everyone, and welcome to Rotating Reels. I'm one of your hosts, Hank Showalter, and with me I have Keegan Tran. Good morning, Berlin. And Taylor May. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell who's the exciting one. Anyway, uh, this week uh, we're going to be reviewing a recommendation provided by me, uh, 2018's Suspiria. Uh, which was, I believe, an Amazon production. Um, but before we get into that, we have a couple other orders of business. So first of all, we've been considering doing a, uh, a listener mail-in segment where we field some of the questions from, that you may have about uh, you know, the movie we've been watching, about the, the host, really about anything. We haven't discussed what the question should be about in too much detail. But if you want to have a question answered on the podcast, feel free to shoot us an email at rotating reels podcast at gmail.com so with that uh and before we get into the actual review of this week's movie we're going to go over what each host has been watching this past week so i'm going to have uh taylor start us off because i just heard his uh his girlfriend telling him what he's been watching <laughs> in the background so i think it's precious <laughs> in his mind well you want you know it's a lot of watching we got to do for this podcast so sometimes i lose track but Bittersweet week, we finished Schitt's Creek. Uh, so oh. that was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of stuff came together at the end. It was a happy ending and uh, really, really enjoyed the whole the whole series all the way through. Um, then we also started a new show, which kind of ties into the movie we're talking about this week. Um, it's the TV show is called Tribes of Europa. It's a German production on Netflix, kind of dystopian. Um, set in europe everything you know it's it's post-apocalyptic so the world's devolved into tribes and stuff so we just kind of started it only a couple episodes in but uh so far pretty good a lot of the fight scenes are pretty realistic you know a guy gets hit once in the face and he falls down you don't got to hit him 30 times and a lot of stuff like that the the characters are pretty interesting so enjoying that um and then we watched a documentary this week called morning sun which is about the cultural revolution in china um I think it kind of presupposes some background knowledge, but not a whole lot. So if you're interested in that period in China, it's a pretty cool documentary. It's kind of hard to find. We found it on Canopy, which is sort of like a, a academic. I don't even know what to call it. It's like a, a hub for documentaries and other sorts of things. I think it's like through libraries, stuff like that. So anyway, Morning Sun, pretty good, um, but also a bit of a downer. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of we, we had Chick's Creek in there to kind of provide a little bit of levity to all the other shit we've been watching. Nice. So, uh, anything else on your weekly what you've been watching? That was it. Awesome. Well then, uh, Keegan, what have you been yeah. up to? Pretty light week. Uh, so I had said a couple weeks ago that I've been watching WandaVision. Uh, I think Disney Plus is absolutely knocking it out of the park with these kind of smaller limited shows. Both seasons of The Mandalorian are phenomenal. Uh, this was episode seven of nine that I think are planned. So. Um, kind of going into that third arc, starting to wrap things up and handing it off into like new phases of the MCU. Uh, for people that are like myself and thought Marvel originally was a little kind of formulaic and are enjoying this more kind of science fiction or multiverse and, you know, reintroduction of Sam Raimi, um, kind of craziness side of the Marvel Comics universe. It was definitely kind of a welcome return to that kind of phase three era of the MCU. Super excited for the show to wrap up and hand off it to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is going to be probably the craziest. I think it's the first horror movie in the MCU. Sam Raimi's back. I think the composer was just announced as well, who is the same person that did um, Spider-Man 1 and 2 soundtrack. So 
Super stoked on it. Cannot recommend people watch WandaVision enough. Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen are just like phenomenal in the show. Um, so if you have Disney Plus, it's definitely what you should be watching. Oh, Keegan, by the way, we did. We started watching that because yeah. you said that. And uh, what a trip, man. Like there is some funky TV coming out these days. We should have a podcast where we just talk about like overall trends going on right now. Because like for Disney to make something like WandaVision is just it's a it's a very bizarre thing they're doing, and I love it. So yeah, I've uh, I've been really wanting to check out yeah. WandaVision, but I don't have Disney Plus. So if anyone's listening <laughs> right now and really wants to hear it discussed, <laughs> feel free to shoot me a uh, paid subscription to Disney Plus, and I will send you a smiley emoji back. <laughs> Maybe get a shout out in the middle of a rotating reels podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's I mean it's amazing. The first I, and Taylor, I don't know how far you made it in, but you know callbacks to like the dick van dyke show and i love lucy all mm-hmm. the way up to like this mm-hmm. last episode was pure modern family and you know you got malcolm in the middle washington the Mid- like it's it's so creative for anyone that's kind of you know grown up watching non-serialized television seeing those kind of like family comedies portrayed in this like very serious limited run show is i mean it's it's phenomenal it, it's crazy um so that was that um my girlfriend was on break this week so she was catching up with Shit's creek I hated the show originally. I've tried multiple times to watch it. I jumped in in the middle of season two, and I've got to say, it does get a lot better once the family kind of integrates yep. into the community. They open themselves a lot up a little bit more and stop being so kind of snooty and pretentious. Uh, it's really funny. So I think at some point when I have a little bit more free time, I'll probably restart from where I dropped in season one. Um, so I watched a couple episodes of that. Two movies. Um, I watched The Shape of Water, which is, I think, one of the only Del Toro movies that I had not seen. Um, Obviously, I think everyone's heard a lot of buzz about it when it first came out. Super great. Um, You know, I I had always kind of written it off as like weird furry romance movie. Uh, And it is. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of that, but it's also Del Toro. And it's. And you you learn to love that. You learn to love the furry romance. I didn't think I would, right? And I was just absolutely enamored with the movie. I fell asleep just feeling this warm romanticism. It was. It's phenomenal. It's on Hulu. It's a new edition. So um, for anyone that hasn't seen it, it's also a super easy recommendation, even though it's like kind of a little like science fiction creature feature y. Uh, You know, you don't really have to be into the genre much. It's very much just like a comedy romance. Ooh, I'm interested in that. I'm I'm a pretty big Del Toro fan, but I haven't caught that. You yeah, know, I've seen a lot of his earlier Spanish production as well as um or Spanish language production, I should say, as well as like the Hellboy movies. So that's like one of the few I haven't caught. Glad to hear a hearty recommendation. Oh, and the, I mean the guy's just like a master of physical effects, right? You think of like Hellboy, you think of Pants Labyrinth, like you just have like you know really elaborate rubber suits with and they're horrifying and you, you like you remember the guy with the eyes from pan's labyrinth this like this horrifying mm-hmm. creature and the fish effects are like super i mean they're absolutely on par with the other things that he's done so uh yeah no i, I can't recommend that one enough um last thing i watched was 2020's freaky which was i think made by the same creative team that did um happy death day so it's kind of a retelling of freaky friday and that whole body switch phenomena but it's between a teenage girl who's kind of an outcast kind of quiet girl and um vince vaughn who's a serial killer and all kinds of hilarity ensues it's a super blumhouse production very campy really fun i am not really into the whole like um comedy rom-com sphere but vince vaughn is he absolutely pulls his weight here like i never really considered him to be a good actor but 
Vince Vaughn playing a teenage, like a 17-year-old girl is hilarious, and it's like well worth the price of admission. So I think that one's on premium VOD, and I would recommend like a hard rental. I don't, you know, you don't have to buy it, but it's definitely worth checking out. Um, and I think that tops off my week. Nice, I'm going to check yeah, that out. Yeah, no, it was really good. I love Vince Vaughn. Yeah, no, Vince Vaughn's one of those guys that I never expected to love, but now when I see him in something, I'm like, ooh, they got yeah. Vince. Um, I like him because so, he's tall. It's very rare you get an actor that tall. So, it, you know, kind of helps put everything in proportion. I actually kind of disliked him because he was tall. I sometimes wish he was more relatable, you know, on my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, the under six foot crowd is intimidated by him. Uh, I see you, Keegan. <laughs> Repres- representation matters. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Fair enough. Awesome. So, uh, anything else from you, Keegan, before I get to what I've been Uh, No, just continuing on reading some Marvel comics. Probably some stuff I'll talk about in a later one, but um, that's kind of been like my nightly routine. But that kind of wraps it up. Nice, nice. So, uh, I'm happy to report that I think for the first week since the beginning of the show, I don't have a super light (laughs) what I've been watching this week. So, I've actually got a number of things to throw out here that I think... uh, will probably elicit some reactions from my my co-hosts so uh last weekend after uh after we watched saint Maud, i uh felt like going back to something a bit more familiar um you know something a bit less out there so me and Haley watched the matrix which i've seen many times uh it was her first time ever seeing the matrix whoa and yeah right first time seeing the matrix and like obviously there's like some problems with like the science in the film which she's kind of attuned to as someone that works in the sciences but like overall the matrix was really entertaining you know like back when i first saw it in the early thousands and it has remained entertaining today i really love it um you know i don't think there's like the acting in the movie is you know kind of middle of the road but like it was always kind of gonna be but the effects are cool they hold up this the 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 action choreography is still some of the best i've ever seen really enjoyed watching through the matrix again totally holds up uh, to a modern rewatch now i'm going to try and get her to watch the second and third with me at some point and i'm not sure those will as much oh, matrix um, 2 is entirely worth it for the highway scene alone i think it's... oh yeah oh I, I i i i agree they're entirely worth it i just think that uh, a lot of the plotting kind of falls apart. yeah oh absolutely um, it's not as good i i will say i saw the final one in theaters and uh got there late had to sit it was like premiere you know midnight premiere whatever i had to sit there in the front row there was a man next to me who had a body pillow thing of trinity and not to give spoilers in case you haven't seen it but something happens and so he is holding this body pillow scream crying saying the name trinity over and over again and the uh ushers had to ask him to leave because he was so disruptive to people watching the movie so I love the movie is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it was me. I was that guy holding the body pillow. Oh, man. Poor guy. Clearly that, that movie had more of an emotional impact for some than for others. <laughs> what are you guys' thoughts? Where do we fall in the Animatrix? Because I adore it. I still haven't oh, seen it. So me. I'm going to watch it uh, when we do our, re- our rewatches for me of the second and third yeah. Matrix movies. So hold off on talking about it now because I'm going to talk about it in a future what I've been watching. I haven't seen um, it either, actually. Well then maybe it'll be a future uh, yeah. week that's what i'm thinking and on top of that at some point in 2021 we're getting matrix 4 straight to hbo max so that'll most definitely be a mainline release nice what yeah. else have you been watching hank so next up after watching the matrix um 
We had a weeknight where, uh, you, you know, kind of a rare moment, me and Haley were both feeling like watching a movie. Um, but again, you know, we wanted something we'd seen, but maybe not seen as recently. You know, I've seen The Matrix a bunch of times, but there's some movies that I could rewatch that I haven't seen that many times. So we picked Star Wars Episode Two, um, Attack of the Clones. Uh, nice. Which is, I think, the most divisive of the prequel trilogy unless i'm mistaken keegan oh, I, back yeah there? i think it's this is the one where because i think phantom menace has enough to keep people interested right you get mall you get pod racing and three is if any of the prequels are good movies i think revenge of the sith is undoubtedly the best because you get you know, mustafar and the turn of anakin but two man that is a tough watch in, in modern times i personally am a, a huge detractor of that movie i actually liked it <sighs> I actually, I actually liked it. I liked, I like getting a little setup between Obi Wan and Anakin. I like seeing them uh, be together. I will say though, you're right that like the whole love scenes where we flash to Anakin oh. and Padme off doing stuff. I usually fast forward through those if I'm like yep. rewatching it again. But yeah, so I, you know, I just watched it like this Monday or Tuesday, and man, those love scenes, painful to watch. Like physically recoiled from them. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and it's a long movie. There's there's a lot of they give you a lot of time to be physically recoiling <laughs> if that's your reaction to that. But like I was surprised by how much I liked the movie going back because, you know, I saw it when it came out um, and I probably saw it once or twice after. But it wasn't ever one of the Star Wars movies that merited like constant rewatch for me. You know, episode three seen a million times. A New Hope a million. I mean, the whole original mm-hmm. trilogy. I've seen them a bunch. Um, but episode two, I'd only rewatched it maybe once or twice. So coming back to it first time as an adult, I was ready to hate it because I've been on Reddit, you know, and I, I've, <laughs> talked to, I've talked to big Star Wars fans all my life. But uh, I was I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I felt like there was like actually like some kind of fun intrigue going on. Um, you know, the Geonosis fight is is always fun. Um, you know, it's it's like a bit plotting uh, out of all of the three yeah. prequel movies. Like, it's a bit slower. But uh, as far as something to just watch on, like, a Monday or Tuesday night where you want to, like, kind of, like, see something familiar but also, like, see some things that you maybe didn't remember, um, I, I was actually way more entertained than I wanted to be. Um, so, yeah, kind of surprised to give that one a hearty thumb up. I expected it for Phantom Menace, and uh, I, I expect to when I rewatch episode three. But, uh... Anyway. Episode three is hard. I gotta say, episode three is what? like it's it's good. Oh, it's, gotcha. no, I mean hard in yeah. a good way. Okay. Like it really, it really is about what it's about. Yeah, I think three. There's no plotting at all. Like episode yeah. two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Episode three. Like I've I've seen it more recently than I've seen episode two, so I feel like I can talk to it um, a little bit now, even though I haven't finished it in my current rewatch cycle, but. Man, I was impressed with episode three when it came out, and I remain impressed today. Like, the action's good. The plot is, like, reasonably well-paced. I, I honestly think that it, it, it avoids a lot of the, the kind of pitfalls that the other two prequel movies kind of get, uh, get hated for. Um, and it doesn't really get a lot of recognition for it because it's still part of that, that tre- prequel cycle that, uh, you know, even if you like the prequels like I do, um, you know, you, you see the original trilogy, and so you have to kind of you have to prefer that you're obligated to. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I think that I think that episode three doesn't get as much of that uh, that hate, or it it doesn't deserve as much of that hate that it, that uh, the prequels get. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, moving on from that, uh, I watched one more feature length film this week. 
uh, and this one was not one that I was rewatching. It was a new watch for me, um, which I don't, I don't know if I've ever reported on the show. So exciting. But uh, I watched, uh, I think it's a 2008 movie. It's called Lake Mungo. Oh my goodness. I'm um, shocked this is your first it's time an awesome. you've seen it. Yeah, no, I've been trying to see it for a while. But uh, when I first heard about it, I was like in high school and I had to rent it. And, you know, like, I, I didn't have any money to be renting movies okay. in high school. I had important shit to do with that cash. <laughs> I wasn't making a lot of it. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of dropped off my radar for a bit. But I saw it came up uh, to watch for free on Tubi. Um, and so I just, I was like, Haley, can we watch it? It's like less than an hour and a half. And we watched it. And uh, I don't really know what I expected. But what I got was quite different from that. Or at least, like, I came out. But I... I I think I enjoyed it. Like, I don't think the payoff was quite enough for me at the end of the film. I don't want to, like, like spoil anything, so I won't go into more detail than that. But, like, I wasn't super thrilled with, like, the ending to it all, uh, where the... Because it's presented as, like, a documentary, so all the threads kind of come together like they tend to in a documentary format. Um, I don't know if the way they came together was super satisfying for me, but the pacing in the movie was phenomenal. Yes. Like, the journey there... Uh, it, it was like it was kind of like watching Tiger King for the first time, but like a little <laughs> bit less horrifying because these events aren't actually happening. Um, but uh, you know, like you, you, you keep watching it, and you're like, oh, that's kind of weird, and you think you're getting bored, and then there's a new piece of information, and the, the, it just carries on like it that the whole time. Doesn't get old at all because it's less than an hour and a half. Um, not a perfect movie, but hard recommend from me. Um, Ooh, I'm gonna check actually, that out actually uh you know you'll see a lot of that from me i'll give a movie a hard recommend if i enjoyed it even if i think it's you know not perfect or even not great um so you know hard recommend just means i enjoyed it from here on out. <laughs> no like, okay. that is like a hundred percent of reality if i if i had to watch a movie and say like attributed to any of the co-hosts that i mean that's like the most hank movie and so taylor free i mean if you haven't seen it before i know all of us are big twin peaks fans i the director is an enormous twin peaks fan and that comes through a lot oh and it yeah, shows we, we Haley and i were actually saying we think it's like australian yeah. twin peaks and like a slightly different hundred percent yeah, like and that. it's i mean equally it, without spoiling anything it's it's probably one of the most disturbing endings i've ever seen like it 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 stuck with me for a long time and like scared me in a way that like gore or uh torture portas were maybe infamous for saying just kind of doesn't really stick around for very long but it's yeah it's, it's a hard recommend as well it's it's terrifying oh well now i'm not so sure <laughs> <laughs> no, it, you won't be you won't be scarred for life. You'll remember it for sure, but it's not gonna like it's not gonna ruin your week, as okay. I All like right. to All say. Right. Um, but yeah, so, other than that, uh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Taylor. Well, I was just about to ask you what else you've been watching. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, yeah, so other than that, not a ton this week. Uh, I've been continuing to watch Psyche K, um, which is a great anime. Still heartily recommend it. You know, it's not something that's like, you know, like you're going to be following one intense plot throughout it. You know, it's a lot of little vignettes, but I love that. And if you like a bunch of little kind of heartwarming vignettes with kind of a fantastical bent, watch The Disastrous Life of Psyche K. Watch Psyche K uh, Reawakened, which is a reboot series. Both great. Um, as ever, watched a bunch of Bob's Burgers. Um, <laughs> yeah, that one speaks for itself. It's fantastic. There's there's nothing wrong with Bob's Burgers. And uh, if you disagree with me on that, fight me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's angry. Uh, 
it's, it's Hank, Hank Week, Week, man. Yeah, but uh, yeah, other than that, not a lot. Um, I do feel compelled uh, to note that uh, I might bring this up in a future week when I try and get my my co-host to do like a spin-off episode with me. I've received a number of really get great uh, like role-playing books in the mail recently, like really kind of like inter- indie underground, kind of like the role-playing embodiment of my horror tastes, you know, kind of like art housey stuff. And I might try and get like my co-host to do an extra episode with me of kind of like an actual play for one of those because I think it could get uh, some, uh, some of the same themes that we like discussing kind of wrapped up in something that we're actually playing out in real time. Um, but yeah, uh, so, you know, getting those books, reading those, watching the movies that I watched, and that, that was my week. Heck yeah. Um, nice, man. Yeah. Sounds spooky. Oh, it will be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I think that uh, we should get into the discussion of the actual the movie we watched this week, unless anyone has anything else they want to throw in first. Nothing no, I'm good. Let's do it. So yeah, we're going to start off with our uh, spoiler-free discussion of Suspiria. Um, so again, just to kind of reorient ourselves, uh, we're discussing the 2018 remake of Suspiria, which uh, the original was a 1977 film. My two co-hosts have not seen the original Suspiria. Um, they've only seen the 2018 remake. And this was kind of an intentional decision on my part when I realized they hadn't seen the original, um, because there are a number of things about the original that are really great. And because of those things, when people see the remake, a lot of fans of the original don't tend to like it. So I wanted to see my co-host's opinions kind of untainted. And uh, I'll be the first to say I recommended this movie. It's by no means a perfect movie. You know, like it, it's not going to be like in a top 10 list of, of, you know, like horror movies all time or anything. But I think that uh, the fact that it's imperfect kind of makes it ripe for discussion. So uh, with that, you guys, what were your first thoughts without spoiling anything? What did you think of Suspiria 2018? Keegan, you go yeah. first. Um, I actually feel a little bad. Actually, so we, we have a, kind of an Excel list that we go through, and we have Hank Weeks, Hank movies, Hank, or like Hank movies, Keegan movies, Taylor movies, and each person will say whether or not they've seen a movie. And this week actually might have been predicated on a little bit of a lie. So I haven't fully seen either version of the movie, but <gasps> I know. I do feel pretty bad for this, but I've seen the first 30 minutes of the Dario Argento 77 Suspiria, so I, I enough to get my feet wet, but I didn't. I fell asleep, not because the movie was bad or anything, but I remember very little enough that I said I hadn't seen it, and I had actually watched, I think I'd actually watched the first half of this movie before things get really crazy. It's, it's a two and a half hour movie. I think I'd watched the first 45 minutes, which to be fair, aren't really, it's a six part movie as we'll get into. I think I really only watched the first two parts. So maybe the first arc, very, very different from what it ultimately ends up being. So I, I felt comfortable saying I hadn't seen it, which is fair. As far as how much I enjoyed it, <clears throat> excuse me, how much I enjoyed it now. Um, it was, t- I, in a word, I would call it pretty upsetting. Um, and so it's so, like something I've noticed on myself as I'm getting a little bit older watching more movies is that like I find myself being more and more upset by the things that I watch, like especially concerning violence. Um, and so I don't want to like I don't want to insinuate that the movie's childish or that people that enjoy violence in, in horror films are childish. But it's it's like this phenomenon that I that I had when I was in like high school, right, where I was relatively sheltered with the amount of horror movies I could watch as a kid. So, you know. 
come high school, college, I really wanted to watch like violent, graphic, scary horror movies that would, you know, kind of upset me or make me feel kind of emotionally disturbed just because it was kind of fun to explore that. And I think as I've watched more and more horror movies, I found that there's a lot of things that I enjoy in horror that aren't so related to the violence or showing graphic images on screen. And, you know, I used to be able to watch hostile or really scary graphic movies while eating. And I find that just really difficult to do now as I've gotten older and kind of expanded my repertoire of horror movies. Um, but that being said, I think there's like a really big valley and, and gap between movies that are like objectively bad or lazy or unenjoyable. And then movies that are like this, that are like, I would, I dare to say objectively, but you know, very obviously made by expert hands that I just don't like personally connect with. And so to kind of call back to last week's review where we did say mod, I think there was a lot of weaknesses in that script, kind of pacing issues, general messages that I didn't think and I just made made for like an unenjoyable experience for me. But I'm super happy that this 2018 remake of Suspiria exists and it's obviously made by like very deft hands. Uh, but again, it's just not a movie that I ever feel inclined to revisit personally. Um, so overall, it's a very well-made movie in this realm. And I think last week we talked a lot about like St. Maude. And if you're looking to get more into art house movies, this is kind of your place to get started because it's it's not too scarring. And I think this is like, you know, if you're really kind of played with those entry-level movies, this is the place to really step in and, and really dive in headfirst into these kind of more, you know, Italian, French themes of, of some pretty horrific uh, kind of imagery and, and things to be put on film. So it's a great movie. I didn't connect with it much, but I'm, I'm really happy that I saw it. I don't think I would have, you know, pushed myself to watch it if it weren't for this recommendation. So thank you for telling me to watch it, but I, I don't think I'll revisit it ever again. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, uh, well, I'll wait for Taylor to get his first thoughts out before I respond to anything. Taylor. Well, Hank, I want to start off by saying I would never lie to you. <laughs> and I had never, I'd never even heard of the movie before you recommended it. And that's, that's not a lie. That's, that's from the bottom of my heart, Hank. So, um, first reaction. I, I liked it. I liked it. I, Keegan, I get what you're saying about the violence. I never really wanted to watch stuff that had that in it. I mean, my, my parents let me watch whatever I wanted my whole life. So, like, I think I, maybe I was exposed to it, sort of like how kids in Europe can drink when they're kids. And so they tend to not, you know, go overboard in the same way Americans do. Uh, same sort of thing. I just never really wanted to get that into it. Um, I actually, I didn't mind it so much in this movie because the violence was generally accompanied by really interesting movement i mean it's all about dancers so everyone cast seemed to be really good at movement and so like that first scene i'm not going to spoil it but the first scene we get where there's a lot of violence it was done in such a interesting way i thought um that i i was i was okay with it and i liked the idea and i don't again i don't want to spoil anything but i like the idea of we're, we're playing with some pretty traditional concepts and and tropes and storytelling you know fictional ideas um, and those have all kinds of uh, presumptions people have that, you know, for instance, if you're talking about, uh, uh, just to grab a random example, Atlantis, there's all kinds of ideas people have about what Atlantis looks like. So if you're going to talk about it in a new movie, um, you can totally ignore all that. You can grab pieces of it. And so with the concepts that we've talked about um, in Suspiria, they grabbed a lot of those uh, old concepts about these sort of fictional character elements. And then they brought with it this kind of really disgusting violence. And I thought that worked. I thought it worked. I thought that they were like grabbing things from the past, sort of this, you know, mythology we have around these ideas. And they combined it with some 
gross stuff. So you kind of had to confront that. Now, this is evil. The stuff these people are doing is gross and evil. So it worked for me, Keegan, but I get I get what you're saying. And I could see how if you were trying to eat while watching this, it may be pretty upsetting. <laughs> but ov overall, I liked it. I, I liked it. I thought um, the mystery is really, really what kept it together for me, trying to figure out what was going on, um, trying to figure out what's going to happen. Um, I, I thought that that is what kept me wanting to unravel the rest of it, despite kind of the difficult to watch portion. Yeah. So I'd recommend it. Um, Hank, I'm very glad you recommended it to me. I won't lie to you about that either. Um, but uh, Keegan, I wanted to say though, I, I thought your uh, I thought your little your little review there, your little blurb was was pretty good. I, I I thought it was interesting how you talked about that journey, your journey of dealing with violence in movies, and and that was really personal, man. I like that. I it gave me a, a good insight into who who Keegan Tran is and why he likes all these uh, horror movies. I, and everything. I started with Porco Rosso, man. I think my weeks are going to be very, very light and fluffy by comparison to the. The Citizen Kane's <laughs> and the Suspirias of the world. <laughs> well, and so, Hank, before you get into yeah. your thoughts, I'm curious also, like, you know, A, why you recommended it. But I know there, there is a little bit of history to unpack with this movie, right? Because it's, it's, it's based on, I think, a book series, but also a trilogy of movies, not just that original 77 movie. So I'm curious, I think they're based on books. Have you read those books? Have you seen all three of the original movies? Yeah, so I actually, I can't speak uh, to the movies being based on okay. books. Uh, I, I honestly just don't know that that background. May or may not be. Haven't read the books, if, it, if they are. Um, and I actually haven't seen the entire original trilogy. So for people that don't know, uh, Dario Argento directed a trilogy of movies. Uh, not, not a trilogy in terms of their plot, but kind of more of a thematic trilogy. Um, starting with Suspiria. Um, and then it continued on uh, with a film called Inferno, and I don't remember what the third movie is called. Keegan, you might have. I don't have it up. I think it's the um, third mother's name, but yeah. But uh, anyway, there, there's uh, the, the three movies. They're often referred to as the Three Mothers uh, trilogy, and uh, each one kind of deals with a, a different uh, a different central character that embodies like some sort of a greater aspect. I mean, that's the most I can say before we're in the spoiler um, section. So, you know, tried to tried to tiptoe around that one a bit. But uh, anyway, yeah, I've seen Suspiria. I've seen Inferno. I haven't seen whatever the third of the Three Mothers is. And I can say pretty confidently that uh, Suspiria 1977 is one of my favorite horror movies wow. of all time. Like that one I would put in a top ten list. This one I, I wouldn't necessarily. Um, Inferno is not one of my favorite horror movies of all time glad i watched it but i i think there's a reason that suspiria is the one that got remade um and i'd be a little bit surprised to see uh luca who was the director of this film uh return to direct um the other three mothers uh in in, in remake form um just because i think suspiria really was kind of the pinnacle at least from what i've seen hmm. um yeah so interesting but uh that said um going to jump into my general thoughts on the movie uh i i really enjoy this movie uh it, you know i think there are a number of flaws with it um that are you know you, you can look at it pretty objectively and say there aren't things there are things that are about it that aren't great uh not a huge fan of the soundtrack myself uh to the 2018 suspiria um at least in part because the original had a fantastic prog rock soundtrack and i, ju I just like goblin more than i like tom york um so that's 
That's how I'm it with, is. I'm with you it's on that. It's very jarring because you're in like, you know, po- right post-war Berlin. And it's like super kind of like modern British sappy indie rock music. Yeah. I, I will say, I think the score I, is a lot better than the soundtrack in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think that the score is better than the soundtrack, but I digress. I'm not a big fan of the soundtrack. Um, I think that the original soundtrack supported the film a lot better and was better integrated into the overall scoring. Um, I also think in this movie that, uh, Taylor, you were talking about the movement. I totally agree. The movement's super awesome and interesting, and I love that it's like incorporated thematically. Um, but I do think that some of the camera work in the movie doesn't really do the, mov- the movement justice. Uh, that actually was something that I didn't even really realize myself until my girlfriend brought it up after we watched the movie, is that you have these really interesting movements that go on, and the camera will like just kind of focus on one figure who's not necessarily doing the most movement in the room, or it will take just kind of a, like a, a static position where you can see the whole room, but won't really do anything creative with it. So I find that the movie often fi- falls into this weird place where like you have cool movement, you have cool costumes and stuff, but... Uh, it's not really brought together into like a cohesive like package. Like it's not, you know, it's, it's clear that, you know, like they wanted the good movement, not the great cinematography all the time, which uh, I'm, I'm totally willing to look past. I'm not trying to disparage the film to be clear. I I really like this film, but if you're like watching it with a really critical eye, I think there are a number of things like this that you can say these, these are missteps. They're not, uh, I mean, they could be choices, but they're choices that I think a lot of, real cinephiles might disagree with or uh, real real big dance fans might disagree with but all of those things aside i think the movie's a great watch uh, i think it's it a little bit overstays its welcome but i love the six act structure of it so like i'm happy to sit with it through that um and i i really just uh like taylor was saying it kind of takes some things that you're used to uh specifically from like the horror genre you know like you have a bunch of beautiful women you're used to that in the horror genre um but in this, they're actually doing something, you know, they're, they're like this dance troupe, they're organized, like, it's it's a bit more interesting than like your Friday the 13th, you have like sexy camp counselors, right? Mm-hmm, so, you know, mm-hmm. I like this movie because it's interesting to watch. It's got an interesting structure. I think the plotting is fairly well done. I, I'll happily say I think the plotting's better done than like in Saint Maud last week, which admittedly was more of a character piece, but I like some plot there. Um, so anyway, I think there are enough things this movie does right that I, I personally quite like it. Um, but I, I think that I can definitely hear like what both of you guys are saying that resonates with me. I think Taylor has maybe one of the warmest receptions <laughs> I've heard to the movie, which is just really liking the movement. And I love that because I can totally see where he's coming from. Um, and Keegan, I can see where you're coming from too, kind of with uh, it being a little bit upsetting. You know, there's some violence. Um, there are uh, some just kind of like uncomfortable themes brought up throughout the movie that are maybe never quite fully addressed, um, which I I feel can be kind of a clumsy thing, but we can get into that a bit more later. But overall, I like it. I totally see where both my co-hosts are coming from on this. Yeah. And actually, so when you said that you were, you were surprised because I had a warm reaction, um, I watched it with my my partner and she's, she's a dancer. And um, so I kept asking her like, what do you think of these, you know, this movement or this, what they're doing right now, blah, 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 blah. And uh, she she really couldn't watch it that much because the the violence and the difficult to watchness the grossness in some aspects just kind of overwhelmed her. So I didn't get to I didn't get to get that uh, opinion. But I know like for instance like Black Swan, 
you know, you ask like your ballet dancer friends what they think of it, and they're like, oh my god, in this one shot, her toes are all sickled, and she's like, you can just tell that it's it's not it's not realistic. So I would be really interested to hear from like modern dancers. Maybe this is something someone could email us about. <laughs> if you're a modern dancer, you got an experience with it, and you watch the movie, what'd you think of the dancing? I'm not a dancer. I don't know. So was were was that all choreographed for people that don't know about dance to find interesting, or is it was it interesting on a dance level too um that's that could really change my opinion of it honestly in some ways um because the the movement like you said was was so central to me enjoying it yeah i i don't know if it would change my opinion of it just because like i did enjoy watching it so much and you know like whatever technical foibles there may have been like i still enjoyed it um but uh, I am genuinely kind of curious to know, like, is the dance like good modern dance? Uh, my girlfriend is a dancer, too. But, you know, like and she watched it all the way through with me. But I, I don't I don't believe she's done any like modern dance like that. So I'm, I'm curious to know from someone that does that style. What, yeah. what you think? Yeah, I, I like yeah. the comparison with uh, Black Swan because I don't know if you guys knew this. I was reading through some trivia on IMDb and I guess there was supposed to be a 2008 remake of this. And Natalie Portman was actually attached to play Dakota Johnson's character, which I think 2008 it predates Black Swan. So I'm assuming she went on to make that project, mm. which I, I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, now I almost feel like I should recommend Black Swan and then to kind of fill out our trilogy of kind of like weird dance uh, horror. We could do like the Neon or Demon climax. or something that kind of falls in that same or Climax. Yeah. Oh, man. Full of West ideas Side now. Story. <laughs> yeah. <Rent>. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here <laughs> well so since you brought up dakota um dakota johnson i wanted to say i thought all the acting was incredible um i thought tilda swinton always does a character yeah. like that yeah she weird... played three characters yeah i yeah I, I thought she did tremendous um dakota johnson does that does that uh it's, it's a similar role as in 50 shades of gray right where she's like the new girl and she's you know there's even a line where she says to tilda swinton sometimes i only have to be told twice you know, it was like that same sort of vibe. And she does it well. She does it really well. Um, so I thought I thought everybody did great. I thought the um, the side characters, the other female dancers, I thought they were great, too. So that that was a, a shining point in the movie for me. I thought all the acting was was tremendous. Yeah, I also liked uh, just as an aside, there's a pretty strong diversity in in the looks of the, the backup dancers that you didn't get a lot of. Um, and I, I can appreciate that. Um, you know, not don't need to get bogged down there yeah. too much, but uh, I, I I liked it. You know, I there are uh, you know a number of people of different different cultural and ethnic backgrounds, and that was cool to see. Um, less of it towards the end of the movie, but throughout it was it was, it was cool. Yeah, I actually have a. I, I kind of want to follow up on something Taylor said, but it's it's a little on the spoiler, so I'll come back to it. But so I, I cut you off, Taylor. What were you saying? Well, I just wanted to know, Keegan, what did you think overall of the acting? Yeah, no, I thought the acting was amazing. I think we hear a lot about, like, I think people really bring up Robert Patton, like, you know, Twilight and Harry Potter and how those those kids made so much money from those prospective series at the time that they basically can just follow whatever kind of indie pursuits that they want, right? So <clears throat> Robert Pattinson is doing some dark remake of, of Batman, and he did Good Time, and he worked with the Safdie brothers, and... Kristen Stewart goes on to do all this stuff, and I, I don't really agree with it. I don't think Emma Watson and, and Kristen Stewart are very great actors at all, actually. Um, but Dakota Johnson really came onto the scene with the Fifty Shades movies, and that's kind of where she got her you know her big break into Hollywood. And I think those are super forgettable movies. I think they're kind of fun for like a drunk watch with your buddies, uh, but they I really don't think they they offer a whole lot from my perspective. But I mean, she's an absolute force to be reckoned with in this movie. Like Dakota Johnson is so good. Tilda Swinton is 
you know, you said there's no sexy camp counselors, but, you know, you got Tilda Swinton playing three different <laughs> characters. Wait, I just looked it up. She was the old, the doctor, too? The psychiatrist? Oh, you yeah. didn't realize that? I thought well, he looked that's... weird. We'll save it. That's we'll spoilers, save the scene Taylor. of Tilda Swinton's old man wiener for spoilers. <laughs> okay, maybe yeah. I totally missed a big thing then. You'll have to tell me because I'm now, my first thought is why? Why would you do that? So maybe there's a reason and I'm, you'll and, tell I me. Mean, yeah, we'll see. If I don't think there's too much spoilers to get into this, but there's, uh, you know, this was on the trivia on Amazon whenever you pause, but there's only three male characters in the entire movie. It's it's the old psychiatrist and the two police officers. And then, you know, spoilers, the twist is that one of, the, you know, Tilda Swinton plays the old male psychiatrist. And so you really only have two male characters. They're super bit parts and they come through really quickly. And I think there's a lot of like female empowerment themes that come through that we'll probably talk about in spoilers. But I think that's the reason for, for casting her as like a third of the male parts. Well, I mean, shit, the, of the other male characters, we spend a lot of their screen time laughing at yeah. their genitals. That's literally what we're doing. That's what the characters are doing. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, and with that, I think we should get into spoilers. I think we've got our general spoiler-free <laughs> thoughts out there. You know, Taylor and I would recommend this. Keegan... I don't know if you enjoyed it, but would yeah, you recommend it? Yeah, no, certainly. It? I think especially if you're you're trying to break into kind of a, a more thought-provoking horror movie, right? Like you've you've done your rings and your grudges and your more kind of popcorn horror movies that are, you know, fun to see with a group. Um, I think this is definitely a really good entry. I, it's a way easier recommendation than St. Maud. Um, I think if, if things like, you know, really graphic violence and kind of uh, kind of misplaced nudity, in my opinion, are, are things that put you off in movies, I think maybe think twice about it but no i i didn't personally connect with it but i think it's a really easy movie to recommend yeah i'd recommend i'd recommend it but i would say it is gross in some parts Uh, and that's that's just the reality of it yeah but it's it's hank it was always going to be gross (laughs) you know what we signed up for uh well let's get to spoilers i want to know why the why the hell tilda swinton was playing an old man yeah so um i actually I, I I didn't say it was a spoiler because it was a big plot point, just because you, it's not really revealed until the mm-hmm. credits. Um, so, you know, the fact that Tilda Swinton's the old man, as well as, uh, what's her name? The old Marcos. frog woman. Marco. Yeah. Um, you know, she's both of them. That's not really revealed until the end credits. Uh, but I think it's a strong casting choice. You know, like, why cast more why people when Tilda Swinton can yeah. do the trick? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I loved it. But yeah, I to me it wasn't like a strong plot spoiler you know it wasn't like there was some plot point that connected uh dr klemperer to to uh madame blanc all that strongly but i did think it was a strong casting choice well walk walk me through that because i'm I'm not disagreeing with you i'm just a little confused because like to me if you were going to do it it should be for a plot point because you know when i'm watching this guy i did think it looks like somebody in old man makeup um, but then as the, you know, the movie went on, it didn't appear that there was any like plot related to that, that I thought maybe he's just an old guy with a weird face. So I'm just curious why you wouldn't want to cast an actually old guy if there's no other, you know, relevant reason to the movie. Um, you know, it's, 
a little bit of it is just that I kind of like to watch like artistic wankery, like like why can't I? You know. Oh, okay. Um. Okay. So you know that 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 that's a strong part of it. But you know, I think Tilda does a great job. You know, I think you can a little bit tell that she's in makeup, but for the most part, she plays the guy well. I don't really feel like you know just having someone with like a naturally deeper voice would have really made the character that much better for me. So I was like, why not do it? And I can enjoy watching that sort of thing. Though I like I I will say you know it does kind of force you to put up your uh, suspension of disbelief uh, there for a little bit because it is you know if you look you can tell that it's not really an old man it's really a like a relatively young woman playing an old man I just I like to see them try it and I thought Tilda Swinton pulled it off yeah no I mean do you do you think it was a purposeful red herring I think if I oh go ahead sorry I was going to say. I don't know if I think it was a purposeful red herring, but I would love to think that it was. Um, okay. it, not not that I think that it's not. I just I don't have enough evidence to support like the thought that it was. I'm kind of neutral on the okay. the possibility of it. Gotcha. Yeah. No. Time. I mean, I think if I could cosplay as like a high school English teacher for a second and maybe go out on too much of a limb, I think uh, you know, in a way, it almost kind of like feels like the um, like the omnipresence of how the mothers are everywhere right and so like i think the doctor kind of in a way serves as a safe place for the dancers to go when they're thinking about leaving the company and finding a way out first for patricia i think we spend like half of the first act with her and and chloe Mer- uh, chloe grace moretz's character going over there and ultimately you know she has a, a pretty unfortunate fate and then later when sarah starts consulting with the with the psychiatrist later when she leaves his office she sees one of the not the mothers but one of the like faculty of the company is is outside watching her so it almost makes it feel like there's you know tilda swinton's everywhere you can't escape from her and her presence is pretty pretty intimidating um it can be felt through even like the places where you would imagine that you're kind of safe so i don't know it it, i think Mm -hmm. as a red herring maybe it played you know i think it could feel like hey is this a person in a suit is this person gonna eventually take off their mask and and be mother marco at the end of the movie um so maybe but uh, i i don't know i think it's a fun if nothing else it's a fun casting choice hmm i yeah i actually um i like that doctor character a lot mm-hmm. um a lot of the stuff he said there was there was one line where he says um uh, uh 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 what's what's the word he keeps using to describe these these fits delusion i think it was delusion and he's, yeah and he says delusion is a lie that tells the truth and he said that's what religion is when you get other people to believe it that's what the reich was i thought a lot of his lines were really cool um which is interesting now if i'm thinking about okay if it you know let's say canonically it is supposed to be the Tilda Swinton um, uh, Blanc character, does any of the stuff he said kind of seem to ca- contradict the beliefs that the Tilda Swinton character, the, the Blanc character had? Yeah. I don't know if I, I might have to think about it a little more, but that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, okay. Now you guys have won me over. I'm, I'm more on the side of this was a good but idea. But I also, I mean, as a character, I like, I kind of like the fact, and I think a lot of horror movies could be kind of lazy and, and kind of lean into the idea that, you know, we have this older male character, maybe he's preying on these girls or there's kind of some creepy set, like ulterior motive, you know, this the sexual weird, like, you know, fetishization of these young dancers. And it, it did feel super refreshing to just have this older male character who does kind of, you know, fill this fatherly role for these girls with you know no ill ill harm at, at all and he even vouches for them a lot right he he goes to the two kind of incompetent police officers and tries to sell their story even though he realizes that 
you know, he's a doctor, but it sounds really crazy to be trying to convince them that there's witches possessing these young dancers. So I think his character was really awesome as well. Um, yeah, no, I, I liked him a lot. I don't know if we can say the police officers were incompetent. I mean, they got bamboozled, <laughs> you know, like they got mind tricked. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I want to fault them for that. I, well, they came in and they were being all suspicious and stern of whatever matron lady opened the door for them. I was like, hell yeah. Fuck these ladies. These ladies are evil. I'm ready for these guys to come in here. And then next scene, we're making fun of the cops penises. So <laughs> didn't didn't work out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, no, th that was actually kind of a funny moment. You know, like the cops come in, you're like, okay, maybe something's about to happen. And you just see, like, within seconds, they're reduced to just being kind of like a laughing stock for not even like the head witches, uh, you know, witches that are mm -hmm. named but are not yeah. like central speaking parts in the film. Um, I, I thought that was kind of a cool scene, and I'm not sure they deserve to be called incompetent because there was literal witchcraft involved. Um, yeah, come on. There, what do you I do? will say, if if you, I mean, you could argue, if someone approaches you oh. and says there's there's some some fuckery going on, and you say, do you know how busy I am this week? <laughs> I oh yeah, I, I think yeah. this. Well, so actually, well, go ahead. That well, that gets into something I wanted to bring up, which is the entire time the movie's going on uh, to the very end, we get this subplot going on of um i think it was a real life event i think it was of you know one of the early uh palestinian liberation groups and the, and the um kidnapping of an airplane and, and the hostages and all that whole situation um why was that in the movie i kept waiting for it so the whole plots we have are what's going on with the dance company uh, what's going on with the psychiatrist and then i think the only other thing is just this background we only hear it in you know passing radio uh, chatter or a TV that happens to be on. It's never central, but we constantly are getting information about what's going on. Do you, what was the, the reasoning for that? Was it was it just to give us the scene where this is happening, or was it supposed to be an allegory for something else in the rest of the movie? That one, and you know, Keegan may disagree with me here. I thought that one was kind of opaque, and that was one of the things that I felt was kind of a kind of a stumbling point for the yep. film. I felt like. It, it was kind of good set dressing and something along those lines could have worked for me but th they kept referring back to it and i kept it expecting there to be some sort of point made about like political violence during the, the time period or something and it never really coalesced into that so to me it was set dressing that was a little bit overused and that became kind of a stumbling point for the film but I'm curious yeah. to hear. No, I, I mean, I'm with you 100%. To me, it felt like I was just waiting for this to line up. I think, you know, if you delete this entire kind of B plot, I think honestly, even a C plot from the movie, the only thing that really gets lost is I think Mother Blanco blames Patricia for leaving on her political like radicalism and says like yeah, she, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, who yeah. knows if she built a bomb and you know if she likes to build bombs with crazy people then who's gonna miss her anyways and I, you know I, maybe it's used as a scapegoat for patricia but other than that i was at a certain point i realized it wasn't gonna connect back up and i just pretty much tuned out whenever they were doing the radio and i would just kind of watch the whatever the scene was doing because it was you know it's just in subtitles for for people that don't speak german so i was i was not a fan yeah and like I speak enough German that like I understood what they were saying and it was like kind of fun to listen to but again didn't really add yeah. anything to the movie for me um, you know at two and a half hours it's a long movie and I didn't really feel like the two and a half hours needed that time like I felt like it could have been a bit shorter than two and a half hours if you cut that out and it wouldn't have been a worse movie for it so 
Yeah, I that's okay. That's kind of was my was my takeaway. Was I'm not quite sure what this is adding, and maybe I'm missing something. But it sounds like you guys didn't think it was there was anything else that we missed. So yeah, I could have cutting that out. That C plot I think would have made the movie feel a lot, a lot more coherent and definitely shorter, which would have helped just given the length overall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and so Taylor, I think you you talked earlier about like how there's. Uh, there's, I mean, there's all these dancers. Or we have all this, like, kind of... It's, it's great casting, and there's a lot of cultural diversity and, like, a lot of diversity in the kind of body types that we see. And one of the things that, you know, despite not loving the movie, I think one of the things that I really liked is, like, ha- seeing Dakota Johnson and knowing that, like, she has so much, I want to say, like, cinematic baggage coming from the Fifty Shades movies, I think it's very easy to kind of assume that she's going to be this very sexualized character, and I think the movie has a lot of sexual undertones, I don't know if I read this right, but I like the scene where her mother reprimands her and burns her hand. Is that am I picking up that that was because she was masturbating as a child, or is that not correct? Yeah, in the closet. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. and so I mean, there, there's like a lot of there's a lot of push for this kind of strength in, in for the female characters, and from the very beginning when she's accepted into the dance academy, one of the smaller witches says, you know, we we place a lot of importance on female financial autonomy and being able to do what you want to do. Um, so it's, it's very like gender forward, which I thought was really good. But I think when you have Dakota Johnson, you're already kind of thinking in terms of Fifty Shades of Grey. It's very easy to think that like because she's acting sexually, because she's wanting to incorporate these ground movements and things like that, like it's going to be very male gazy and it's going to, you know, over sexualize a lot of these female characters. There's a lot of scenes, right, where they're, you know, it's people are topless. People are completely naked later in the movie. Um and, you know, we have scenes of people masturbating or dreams of people who are, like, completely naked. Like, there's a lot of female nudity and iconography throughout the movie, but it never feels sexualized in a way that's, you know, male gazy or just kind of to satisfy the audience, any just to show them a female naked body for the sake of it. It always felt like it was tied in for the sake of making you actually really uncomfortable because they would show... You know Dakota Johnson, and you know a very attractive actress, and then she'd be topless, and it would cut to worms coming all out of like you know worms all over her face, or really graphic, violent scenes, and it was meant to show kind of like this connection of the witches, and and you know they're female, and there's the sexual undertones and all this kind of things that they do, and I thought it was handled really well. I thought it was something that could have been really fumbled, but um, no, I, I I thought it was a really interesting component of of how. Like she's she comes from this movie that movie series that's very much about like a male power trip BDSM fantasy and to move to this was a super kind of empowering role in my opinion. I what did you guys think about that? It's actually kind of interesting because you know like the Fifty Shades of Grey thing like yeah it, it is kind of like a, a male power trip but you know the series the Fifty Shades of Grey the books at least they're written by a woman. Um, the the plot of this film is is written by a man and it's directed by a man um and because of that i think that there is some tendency or like ability for the viewership to say like this is a man telling you know like a women's story and so like it doesn't really read as though they're like real women Mm -hmm. and i think there's some weight to that but just the fact that in the direction and in the screenwriting of the movie they're able to avoid that much of the male gazy stuff um i thought that was fairly yeah. impressive you know like even if the, the the characters aren't totally you know believable i thought it was nice that they tried to write this sort of a story you know all of the actors or actresses were were women for the for the vast majority yeah. of the film so like you know it's not like there there wasn't like a woman there to like give her opinion so like 
I thought that uh, it, it was cool. They avoided that male gazy stuff that's so common to horror. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, it's such it's it's such a horror problem. As a horror fan, you know, like I I, I like seeing some boobs. You know, like I'm not going to complain <laughs> about it, but like, but like you know, I I admit like we we could we could get a bit more out of our actresses and our female writers than we do. Um, so this movie, like, even though like you know there was a bit of a sexual component, I thought it was handled really yeah. tastefully, and I thought that uh. You know, at the very, very least, a hard part of the movie to complain yeah, about. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that was my I, take. Yeah, I uh, well, first off, I don't hold anything against uh, Dakota Johnson for doing Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, which is really just you know it's BD- BDSM for people that don't know anything about BDSM, but <laughs> make that money. You know what? Sure. I got no problem with her doing that, and I'm not going to hold it against her. Um, so I I didn't I tried to not view her as you know what's her acting history and how does that relate to this i kind of just wanted to see okay that's this is a much more serious role in my mind this is you know this is a serious proper acting role let's see how she does um and that's great uh in the context too of not having uh seen the movie's kind of writing pedigree you know you haven't seen the original you also haven't seen the actor or you're not thinking about the actor's previous performances. Props yeah, well, to you know, I mean, I, I have no problem with a camp, non-serious movie. But, you know, if you're going to bill yourself as a serious movie, then in my mind, you can do anything you want to do. But there's got to be a good storytelling reason for it, right? You can have all the sexuality or violence or other, th- you know, things in the world. But there's got to be a reason. Just to have them to have them is gratuitous. And, and you know, it's not, it's not doing uh, justice to the art form. But... Um, as for the the nudity and, and sexuality in the movie, um, I so my, my my partner's a dancer, her whole family, her mother's dancers, my father's a dancer, so I know a lot of dancers despite not being able to dance myself. Um, and I feel like there's a lot more casual nudity in dance companies than you might mm-hmm. expect because I think people are changing costumes and stuff. I think it's probably the same in like acting a little bit, um, you know, in theater. But um, so I could be wrong, but just kind of so that initial. Uh, nudity or people in not much clothing, I think was just, you know, that's just a part of what the dance world looks like. Um, and then I actually thought the nudity and the the very few sexual elements mostly happening in those crazy horror dream sequences. That's when she gets caught masturbating and, you know, we burn her hand with the iron. Her Amish mother does. Um, I thought it all worked Mennonite. because... Oh, there, she was Mennonite. They did I'm have sorry. electricity. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, so I, I thought it worked because I think that especially when you're talking about witches, I thought it worked. See, this is why I thought a lot of the violence was okay because there's, you know, with, with witches, there's all kinds of baggage in terms of just that fictional plot device. Right. And so what they pulled from it was this really like old idea of sexuality and violence being, uh, I don't want to say two sides of the same coin, but being closely related right like there's a there's a sister sister song literally called sex and violence and it's all about comparing the two um or you know in french the a term for orgasm is uh the little death le petit more i don't speak french but you know so like there's an idea of these things being connected um and so because they showed sexuality and nudity but it was tied in with this grossness it was almost like violence and sexuality is this really base animalistic primordial thing and witches have control over it and that's why they're doing this dance company and i i I thought Mm -hmm. it worked i thought that they were able to to do it all and i'm glad that they didn't go overboard with it that i I think the only uh overtly sexual thing we see is 
probably that that brief masturbation it's not even a masturbation scene it's a flash of her with her hand yeah. between her legs i mean that's all we really get sexually um so i thought that, that worked and even later when the older um, madams are, are touching the younger dancers it's it's like it almost seems like not sexual but this desire like desire for their youth and you wonder are they like you know harvesting the youth of these people to keep themselves alive forever and so it's like gluttony and greed and lust all combined and i i thought it worked i thought that that last not the last scene but one of the last scenes where we're seeing you know the whole show is happening right we're down in the middle of the coven there's blood and bodies i thought it all worked i thought it really painted this idea of like this is what evil is it's like it's not just uh pain it's also like pleasure and they're intertwined in this weird gross thing so i thought i thought it all worked um and i thought actually now that now that you bring it up keegan I thought it's pretty interesting to compare that to Fifty Shades of Grey and how they handle like uh, sexuality and violence and just like, man, you could I, you could see like what a, what, a, you guys, she's really the, the writer. She's really not thinking about this very much, right? She's just doing this fan fiction about some fantasies she had, and she's not exploring like the artistic depth that can be mined with this stuff. Um, so I, I think the fact that Dakota Johnson can do a good job in both of those, like one of these is just a money grab. We're just trying to make money off, you know, middle-aged housewives. That's what this is about. And this other movie is a real artistic endeavor. Suspiria is a, it's, it's a real serious, proper movie. Um, and, and I, I thought they handled all those elements pretty good, but I can see how you might not be comfortable with it or the rest of the plot isn't enough to get you over the uncomfortability that those things are naturally going to have. Yeah. One thing I want to jump on right there, and it's it's really not the whole statement. I think I agree with like the broad strokes you're painting here, but there's like one statement you made that you know like Suspiria, you know, it's not just a cash grab; it's a real artistic endeavor. That's one of the big reasons I love this movie because you know it was remade because you know someone had a vision and thought it deserved to be remade. You know, there wasn't a lot of money to be made remaking Suspiria, which is already a niche horror movie from the 1970s. Um, you know, maybe more money than remaking some more unknown horror movie. But, you know, this wasn't a cash grab. It's a genuine artistic endeavor. And even through its stumbles, I think that shows. Yeah. And so, like like you're saying, Taylor, you know, like, I, I think, like, it's handled, a lot of things are handled pretty artfully, and that shows really well. But even in the places where they didn't handle things as, you know, as well as they could, it didn't seem because, like, it was because it was lazy or because production stepped in and, and worsened it it seemed like they were just genuine artistic stumbles. And that can be a lot easier for me to stomach than, you know, like laziness on the part of production or on the part of the writer or, you know, just more not intentional, but more uh, kind of directed faults in a, in a film. Yeah, no, and I think a lot yeah. of like what we think of as those kind of schlocky early 2000s horror movies and i mean you know this is not a new thing this goes back to like 80 slashes movies but i think a lot of what we think of as like these horror tropes that we see that are kind of cheap is just due to a lot of corporate meddling and you know working to put it in a pg-13 package and get it out there so high schoolers can consume it because they love watching horror movies you know like i think this is like you said it's very much a movie that's completely free of that it takes a lot of big swings that if there was you know some big wig from Amazon stepping in to watch. The, I mean, they were pretty hands off with it. In in a way, I I don't know how fair of a comparison it is, but it really reminds me of like Blade Runner twenty forty nine in that way of like, hey, we're gonna give you an ass load amount of money. We know our ROI is probably not gonna be that great, but you know, give it the vision that it deserves. You know, absolutely run with it. Throw some huge name actors in there and just 
let's see what we can get out of it. And I really, really respect it for that as well. Well, and there's, you know, there's there's bigger considerations if you're a new studio like Amazon, mm -hmm. right? Where, you know, winning some awards, even if it doesn't actually make you money on the film, that helps you out later. So I, I can see how they could, you know, still be a corporation and, and stomach it, which just makes, you know, like what Disney's doing right now in a lot of ways so frustrating or these other people that, you know, have the money and you you think could have the vision um and and don't so i i i was thoroughly impressed and actually i can't believe i didn't say this earlier one of my favorite parts about the movie was the atmosphere the aesthetic it's cultivated in everything it's cultivated in the sets in the the city scenery we get the costumes everything is and i they must have put an incredible amount of time and money into it because literally every little thing light fixtures um, wiring, we see everything. Uh, I know I don't know much about uh, Weimar era architecture, but the building, the dance studio, just seemed to really just have a lot of thought put into it. Um, and that's kind of what I mean by this is a serious mm -hmm. endeavor, right? Somebody spent a. I mean, that's like a, give an example of like Quentin Tarantino, right? A lot, a lot people can have whatever problems with him as a director, with his style. I certainly do. Um, but I'm not going to say he's not putting a lot of thought and effort into it, right? Like he's really trying and, and I'm, you know, I'll give, I'll give somebody a decent shake if I can tell they're making a good effort. That's not going to mean that I'm not going to say they did a bad job, but so anyway, the, I just wanted to say the aesthetic was incredible. It's heavy. It's dripping. You feel it in everything in the movie. Um, I thought that's, you know, really hard to do and not something that sells tickets. Um, but it's really, really nice when you see it this well done. So with all that said, there's there's at least one more thing I want to touch on before we conclude this episode. And that's really the, uh, the ending sequence of the movie. Not the epilogue, um, but the ending to the sixth chapter of the movie, wherein, um, you know, Dakota Johnson's character descends into, like, the very base of the, of the dance academy. She sees the coven splayed out naked. There's a bunch of head exploding. There's the whole I am the mother statement. If, you, you know, if you're watching the spoilers section, I'm not going to explain it in too, deta too much detail. You should kind of know what we're talking about. Dakota Johnson ends the film by, kill by killing everyone that, you know, was corrupt or something. But, uh, you know, this is this is one of those parts of the movie that I think it was always going to be divisive, no matter how well it was pulled off. And I want to hear my co-host's thoughts on it. What were your guys' thoughts on the head exploding coven scene? You go first, Keegan, because you didn't like the the sexualness or the, the nudity and violence as much. As no, I yeah. So I, as far as that, I just to take a step back, and I know that we're on kind of the tail end of this. One of the things that I think made that seem better for me is how much I disliked the actual performance of it, where they, they kind of botched it. I think that's considered like the fifth act when they perform Vogue in front of a live audience. And I, Hank, I think before spoilers, you had talked a little bit about how you think the cinematography could have been a little bit better. And this is one of the areas where I think the movie got a little bit weak and made that you know last kind of coven scene so strong for me. Um, the movie throughout will show you between Olga and Sarah these transformation scenes where they're getting their bodies are absolutely broken their bones are coming out of their skin it's just horrific and you know cinematography we, we have one camera and it's just sticking with them for a long time and you're with them for <laughs> like you know a full 60 seconds while they're just screaming in agony which is you know for me pretty upsetting but then 
you know, kind of you guys had talked about wanting to hear a dancer's perspective about it. We get to this Vogue and we have this kind of cheesy scene where Sarah goes and she finds all the girls that have been kind of manipulated by the witches. And it's it feels very cheesy and like a lot of horror movies in the basement that we've seen before. Um, and then she breaks her leg and it's it's horrible. And we, we get long, long takes of that. But then when you cut up to the actual performance and the actual failed ritual, I mean, we have so much coverage. I feel like we must have had 10 cameras. There was a super quick cut that it literally felt like someone was recording from you know, like a phone in the audience because the, the quality wasn't that great. And it just feels like we don't really get to see as much of this ritual as I would have liked. And I think that's something that's a lot stronger in that final scene where we, I mean, it's unadulterated, right? We're, we're very few cuts. We're getting to see how kind of like violent and graphic this ritual is. Um, so no, I think that that final scene really worked for me. Um, I, I guess I have some, some plot misunderstandings of whether or not Dakota Johnson has always been this mother or whether she accepted the mother in you know throughout this process of going through and releasing certain people from their lives if they wanted it but overall i thought it was visually if anything super striking um i think the prosthetics that they used for tilda swinton as the old man laying down for i think it's mother marcos who has like fetus arms attached to her arms and her armpits are secreting mucus like absolutely horrific i think you know the woman singing is is terrifying i think i probably only watched 60 70 percent of it because i kept just kind of turning my <laughs> face away because i was so uncomfortable with the scene as a whole but overall it, it was super effective and i think juxtaposed against that that kind of in my opinion botched performance in front of the live audience i think that last scene really worked for me if if i didn't understand it that's one thing but you know it was it was interesting to watch at least Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Um, that so the first two thirds of the movie really worked for me, and um, this is kind of where I, I don't want to say it fell apart. It didn't. It just things didn't come together as much as I wanted them to in that scene, right? So I this is you know when I was younger and you'd watch sci-fi movies or whatever else, and uh, it's the end of the movie and the aliens go home, and I always wanted to see what like the alien home world looked like. I really wanted to go there, and so. I kind of was worried we're not going to really learn much about the coven. We're not going to learn all the backstory and everything else that I, I want to learn. Um, and so I was ready for a lot of exposition in that scene. And I got, I got, we got a decent amount, right? We did learn a lot, a lot more than I thought they were going to tell us. So I was really happy about that, but there was, you know, to reveal something as big as Dakota Johnson is Suspiria. Uh, I, I was, you know, I did there was nothing leading up to that. Nothing that besides her mother once saying that, uh, Dakota Johnson's character was her sin like that when she was dying that's all we really got so I was kind of confused maybe this is something that is explained in the other movies um so that that could be totally fair um but no I I, th I thought it worked I um I almost kind of wanted it to be bigger hmm. I felt like if we're getting this weird black monster thing that I'm not I, I have no idea what that thing was was that Mother Suspiria where did it come from that that whole thing I don't know but if we're gonna like really get some, if these if these witches are older than Christianity, they're thousands of years old, right? I want 
something more grand. I don't know. I, like, I, I can also go with the idea that, you know, this is how weak and decrepit they have become is they don't, they're not grand anymore. It's just sad and small and still terrifying and gross. So I don't know, but I just, it didn't quite work for me. It felt a little bit too much like the blade movies, the later blade movies, like the set didn't like there was stuff on the walls that looked like almost like statues, like frescoes in the wall that were um, like reliefs. So they were like coming out with different gross arms and body parts, sort of like a, a Renaissance painting of hell or something. But we never got a clear shot of any of that. So it felt mostly like an empty concrete room. And and that didn't, for whatever reason, didn't quite work with me with everything else. Um, but otherwise, no, I, I, I thought the, you know, these girls um, in this, just uh, a frenzied state of dance while some of them are being killed and some of them still dance in the blood. I thought that was all great. I thought the mother Marcos prosthetics, you know, like I, I imagine Keegan with those like fetal arms was that they had been trying to keep her alive over the centuries. So they're like grafting people onto her or something. I don't know. I, I thought that was all cool. Um, but yeah, I kind of just wanted more about what's going on with Dakota Fanning's character. I kind of wanted a bit of a different vibe in that room. Um, I don't know. I don't know how or why, but it just didn't quite all pull together for me. And that's when it became clear to me, okay, we're definitely getting nothing about the the hijackers and the terrorism stuff. Yeah. And I was waiting for all of that to come together in that scene and, and it didn't all. So I was a little disappointed, but I still, I still enjoyed it. I still like what they were doing. Yeah. So having heard both of your guys' thoughts, I think that, again, I kind of agree with both of you. It's a scene that I was so on the verge of loving you know like not just liking but i was almost there to you know just being in love with that scene thinking it was the ultimate ending of the movie i love the idea of like you know uh dakota johnson's characters just making all the heads explode of like the like least pure witches or whatever um you know visually almost excellent you know the dancing is uh evocative but you know the set design kind of sucked in that scene honestly like like taylor said it's a large concrete room um and like the the, the heads exploding was it, you know it was really awesome but then like the people <laughs> around the heads exploding like didn't have any blood on them and that was kind of weird you know like it just seemed like they got to that film and they were like oh man we really gotta finish act six or they got to that scene and they were like oh man we really gotta finish act six and we really didn't get any exposition we got some like really kind of cool impactful like heads exploding but besides that not a lot of exposition the there was some like kind of cool movement in this scene but it was a little bit undermined by in my opinion fairly subpar set design um yeah it so felt overall... like it felt like just like any other kind of horror movie that scene you know it didn't feel as unique the atmosphere was gone we were no longer in this really really heavy atmosphere they had built so yeah i get exactly what you're saying yeah so overall i think it's a, a scene that had great vision and i think i agree with the vision but the execution just wasn't quite there and they weren't they either didn't have the uh you know the the story type exposition to back it up or they didn't want to and they should have um but that scene was so close to great but instead fell kind of flat on its face for me yeah um, I, I feel the same. especially uh, you know no offense tom york but you know whatever you were doing for that scene like did not work for me like i did not enjoy the music that was playing during that whole thing i thought it didn't fit well didn't add anything to it for me thumbs down from hank on that one 
Yeah, Hank, actually, I, you said that earlier. I also did not like the score very much. I, I, It wasn't bad, really, but it also wasn't as good as the other parts, right? So to, to go through all the effort and work to build an atmosphere like the way they did and then to have the music not be as good just kind of made it kind of like glaring where you were like, I, I, we could use some really strong musical notes at different points and we didn't really get it. Yeah, and, you know, to be clear, you know, not trying to, like shit on anyone too much like i like the movie overall um you know i want to applaud tom york for like doing his thing you know like i'm glad an artist got his shot the soundtrack just didn't land for me at all um overall like the movie the soundtrack was not a reason that uh, contributed yeah. to that um it definitely didn't ruin anything though like like i you yeah know, the... yeah you know if it had ruined the movie i wouldn't recommend it and i'm still recommending it <laughs> yeah it, def um, it definitely yeah. it definitely you know didn't it didn't detract so much as to make the movie not watchable or anything like that it just wasn't as as tremendous as other parts of the movie for me yeah i'll agree with that so with that i think we've covered this movie pretty much top to bottom you know we've talked to it uh you know kind of from you know a very broad point of view we focused in to the very end of the movie is it time to talk about our parting thoughts let's yeah. do it so uh, as before, I'm going to let my co-hosts lead in with their parting thoughts. I'm going to ask you guys, you know, do you recommend it? What would you rate it? And we'll end on mine. So uh, Keegan, why don't you uh, why don't you take us in? Yeah, no. So overall, again, I think I have kind of come across as a, a detractor of the movie. I certainly think this is a phenomenal movie that, you know, anyone that's inclined to like these kind of horror movies would, would certainly do well to check out, you know, it's, it's free to watch on Amazon prime video. Um, you know, I think there's, there's some hurdles to come over with some violence and some nudity. That's a little, uh, kind of disconcerting if you're kind of more of a vanilla viewer, as I think I'm kind of becoming lately, but no, overall, it's a fantastically made movie. Um, I didn't personally enjoy it, but as I think I, you know, if you're moving into that realm, it's certainly something you should check out. So, um, if I had to give it a rating, I'd probably give it a five out of eight gaping chest vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> That's from the movie. If you no, it's not. I just it. made that up. It's uh... <laughs> no, I know, but I mean, purely. You're original. talking about. You're talking about. <laughs> was that a mouth? What was it that? It breathed. Was Something she... inside of it moved around. You know, it gasped. She. I think she said something, and I think it looked like, like, because you don't see her face, I think it looked like that mouth in her chest wound was talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. well, I uh, I like the movie. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really big into super artistic movies that are really going to explore some, some creepy stuff. Um, it's just not what I, you know, enjoy watching. But I did, I did like this movie. I thought they did a really good job. I thought all the movement was tremendous. The atmosphere aesthetic was tremendous. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it. I think I'm going to give it uh, maybe nine out of 10 Disturbias uh, because when I was when I first read what this was, I, uh, I thought of Disturbia, that tremendous Rihanna song. Rihanna should have been the score for this whole movie now that I think about it. But then I looked up the lyrics, remembered the lyrics, and it actually kind of works. She talks about a disease of the mind. It can control you. Too close for comfort. All of that works with this movie. So Rihanna is going to be my, my grading system. And um, yeah, I think if you if you want to get into some psychological horror, this is a good movie. If you really don't like gross stuff, not just necessarily 
gore, but just gross stuff. Um, this might this one might be a little bit hard to watch in some parts, um, but overall, I thought the it was really enjoyable. Every all the pieces of the movie work, the acting, directing, whatever else. So yeah, def, definitely a recommend for me. Yeah, and so with that, uh, my rating for the movie definitely you know I'd recommend it. I recommended it for my co-hosts, and I'll recommend it for all of you. I like the movie. I think it's not without its shortcomings, but as a horror fan, you know, sometimes that's the best I can get. You know, not every <laughs> movie is Midsummer Hereditary. Um, but, uh, you know, we can talk about those at a different time. So anyway, overall, though, this movie, not the best movie, but a definite recommendation for me. I would give it, like, five out of nine wet slaps of flesh against the wooden oh. floor. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh there were some of those still shots like in the dream sequences where if you paused it it was real gross like real like i don't want that on my tv man no yeah i watched this on my laptop i didn't want to put this on the main tv and i i explicitly told my girlfriend i was like at no point throughout the next three hours should you ever look at my screen (laughs) you know i'm going to be a hundred percent with you guys right now when I picked this movie, I kind of picked it because I thought it wouldn't be like a big shock value pick. I, I picked it and I was like, this is a pretty easy watch. So <laughs> let's see where Hank Week takes us in the future. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to go some places. Stay, stay with us, folks. You're going to you're going to you're going to like the future Hank Weeks. <laughs> All right. But anyway, that's uh, that's Rotating Reels review of Suspiria 2018 um that's going to be it for this week but i'm going to encourage everyone to join us next week uh we're going to have another a week where we review a recent release i believe this week we're uh we're reviewing nomadland which is uh it's starring one of my favorites uh francis mcdormand she's been in a lot of coen brothers movies that i like but uh keegan anything you want to say about that one before we uh review it yep we will be reviewing no man land that is correct um this is a big uh, vehicle for francis mcdormand it's also a big um movie for the director chloe zhao who is a chinese director who has done a lot of work doing these kind of americana movies she made another movie that was also kind of a sundance darling called songs by brother taught me which is also a really really beautiful movie um this got a lot of buzz at sundance and has kind of been doing the rounds through a lot of the film festivals it'll be available this week on hulu free of streaming um, i'll read the imdb imdb blurb after losing everything in the great recession a woman embarks on a journey through the american west living as a van dwelling modern day nomad so that'll be the review for next week all right looking forward to that awesome so if our uh, if our audience wants to, wants to watch with us next week where can they pick that'll them be up? at hulu awesome awesome everyone's got hulu uh <laughs> except for some people <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome. but anyway i guess we'll see all of you next week and uh thanks again so much for sticking with us this long yeah thanks, thanks guys Suspiria.